Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Well, welcome to Breast well, Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor. I'm a professional speaker and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And we have Sharon on the phone, too, but she had to actually call in today because she's in New York. So, Sharon, are you there? Uh, I am. I'm in New okay. York, and I'm a certified life coach and waiting for my soon-to-be-published book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. Well, we're really happy to have you. I know there might be a little technical challenge today with with one of us on, on this method and one on the phone, but we're going to work our way through it. But today we have a really special guest with us. This is someone who's been a friend of ours. I can't even remember when we first met her. Um, we met her through Breast Friends, and she uh, we met her as a she was a pharmaceutical rep. And then things changed for her, and she became a survivor. She is a wonderful person. We love her dearly. She's pretty much the poster child for early detection and really utilized her journey to better her life. So please welcome Christina Frank. Hey, Christina, you. you there? Yes, yeah. thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Becky. It's very exciting and very, I'm very honored to be on your show. Well, you know, this is our 60th episode. I'm, I was kind of blown away by that. And as I was kind of looking at things, it's like, this is our 60th one. So that's, wow. that's pretty, pretty fun. Amazing. So, Christina, why don't you take a minute and just kind of introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us a little bit about your background you know, kind of how you got into oncology sales, that sort of thing. So why don't we just start there? Okay. Well, I have always been a bit of a science geek. I think back (laughs) to high school when I was um, a senior and I often opted in to take some biology and anatomy classes through a local college, and I just, uh, I had a little cat cadaver that we worked on throughout (laughs) the class, the anatomy class, and then I just loved the little Petri dishes and microbiology, and I just knew I was going to do something science-based, something medical-based with my career. Well, I, you know, you, you just went, okay, now this may sound a little politically incorrect, but when you know Christina, she is this gorgeous, blonde, glamorous young woman, <laughs> and I oh. just don't see you as a science geek, you know? <laughs> well, I surprise a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just kind of funny. You just, and I, and I don't mean to say any offense to any of the other science geeks out there, because we know that anybody can do anything, but Christina, you're just, you just don't strike me that way. But nonetheless, she's you're very the, bright. So. She's not the stereotypical, you know, no. type, but definitely, <laughs> you know, that I guess that's a good reminder to all of us that, you know, doesn't matter what you look like. We're all smart. We can do anything we want if, if we put our mind to it, right? That is exactly right. That's Absolutely. Exactly right. And it served me well. I went on into, you know, college doing biochemistry and all those classes as well. Wow. And ultimately landed on becoming a registered dietitian. 
That is so cool. You know, it's just something I would never do by choice. <laughs> you know, when I went to school, I did have to take some science classes. It's like, you know, required to get out of college, but it was never my first choice. So good for you. I'm, I'm always so impressed with you. So, Christina, take a minute and tell us, you know, how we met, because I know you kind of just walked into our office one day, as I recall, and, you know, it was just so fun to meet you. So tell us about what you did in oncology sales and, and how all that came about. Yeah, so I've been in oncology sales for the last 15 years, and, you know, I got involved with community events and started to find out what kind of advocacy groups were out in our community, and that's how I came upon both you and Sharon, and then I believe I got involved just by coming to your gala for the, you know, that was my first involvement with learning more about Breast Friends and what you do. And then eventually, um, two years ago, was co-chair for the gala procurement team and um, just have always you know, liked to attend the survivorship luncheon and just support Breast Friends in that way and, and actually was invited to be in the fashion show last year at the, su- at the survivorship luncheon. <laughs> and that was and you I had to it. your arm on that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> You really rocked that one, Christina. So, um, Sharon, I think there's a delay on your phone um, for some for whatever reason. So, um, I, we, I don't think we quite heard what you said just now. Oh, I said you that that I had to kind of twist her arm a little oh. bit there to <laughs> to do the fashion show. Well, well, you two ladies, you two ladies have been so wonderful for me in so many ways, just in infor- information, helping me get through my own journey, and also helping to push me and help me to grow beyond my comfort zones. So it's all good. It's all been great. Well, we've we've been so happy to have you as part of our life. So, uh, you know, just as a just to kind of restate, so you came in as a pharmaceutical rep and kind of met us and and got your company to sponsor our gala, which was really awesome. But then you went on and became a really cool volunteer, and you got us stuff. So, you know, it's just been it's been a great relationship, and we love having you in our lives. And um, I, I have to ask you a question. So, the name of today's show is Journey. Uh, what did we decide to call it? Journey of the Lotus Flower. So yes. tell me, tell us about why why that title? Because when you came up with that title, it was really appealing, but I didn't really understand it. So why don't you take a minute and explain to Sharon and me and our audience what that is about? Sure, absolutely. The lotus flower came to symbolize my unique journey after my soul sister Laura Last introduced me to yoga. And that happened in January of 2015. The Lotus Flower story really engaged me because it's about a difficult journey of the beautiful flower that starts in the bottom of the muddy and the murky pond, and it emerges on the top of the water. It's supported by a very strong stem. And then this beautiful flower opens to the sun, and it's unstained by its surroundings. And that story of the Lotus Flower spoke to my soul and gave me strength. You know, I love this. So it starts out in the murky, muddy goo at the bottom. And wow, that's so symbolic, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. That's and really great. Well, I was introduced to yoga through my, my very dear friend, Laura. <laughs> I came upon this story and I'm like, wow, that is totally my, that's, that's, a, that's a great story. I'm, I'm going to grasp that story and I'm going to move forward with that story and I'm going to share that story because we all have muddy, murky yuck in our lives, but we can persevere and we can do great. 
That is mm. so true. Sharon, I know you've, you've had some experience with that with all the women. Oh, I love that. To. Yeah, Yeah. I absolutely love that analogy because, you know, when we're at our, I guess, scariest or, um, you know, kind of those darkest hours, um, it's a wonderful uh, metaphor for us to understand that, you know, we are very strong, just like those stems that hold it up into the sunlight eventually. And, you know, the sunshine will come, but it may take a little while to work our way through that muddy gook. <laughs> yeah, that is such a good visual. Well, speaking of your soul sister, Laura, I believe we have her on the line. Erin, is she still with us? Okay, why don't you put her on through? <coughs> Hi, Laura. Um, this is Hi. Becky. Hi, and thank you for calling into our show. And I do believe that you know Christina. I have known Christina for 20-plus years, and um, I think you can tell just how amazing she is. It's so good to uh, hear people say that. I mean, I, I met her at a very, very uh, young age early in my career, and, um, you know, I it's funny when she talks about me inspiring her to do yoga because she's <laughs> inspired me so many times over the the last couple of decades just to, um, you know, pursue my dreams and be a better person. And uh, I have so much to owe to her in my life. And so uh, even in this journey that she's had and and, uh, with yoga and talking about, you know, her um, story with the lotus flower and that type of thing, um, she's even, you know, re-inspired me as well. So it's just an amazing, beautiful, as you say, both inside (laughs) and out. So um, I'm very blessed to have her in my life for sure. Well, and Christine, I'll bet you have something to say back to her, don't you? Oh, it's hard not to tear up with that. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I I was tearing up too, and I don't even know her. (laughs) (laughs) I love Laura. She's just such an integral part of my life. She is um, just just as inspirational back. Well, Laura, you're welcome to stay on the line with us if you'd like to. I do want to talk to Christina a little bit more about um, how your cancer was found because, Christina, you really are the poster child for early detection, and you're an example of what happens when we catch it early. So do you mind speaking to that? Did you, you know, how, how did you come about finding your cancer? No, I would love to talk about that. I think that making sure that you get your mammogram on time, and Laura can attest to this because I've been all over her about it too, and everyone that I come in touch with, make sure you get your mammograms and make sure you get them on time. My cancer was found on my mammogram, which was in February of 14. I went into my mammogram, no worries, no family history, and I received a call that they wanted me to come back, and they wanted to take a closer look at it. I hate that call. <laughs> I do too. You know? It's yeah. it's um it's a little it's it's a little nerve wracking, but you still don't think anything's really going to come of it. And then when it became very nerve wracking was when they said they wanted me to come back and they wanted to do a biopsy. So February fourteenth of two thousand and fourteen, I was in uh, the office and they had done a stereotactic biopsy, which I had no idea what that was or what to expect. It was quite surprising and um, how they do that with the the um, machines and and just collect your bio- biopsy. That was just it was very um, 
<laughs> it was a learning opportunity. Um, well, you know what? Why don't you take a minute, if you can, and just explain to our audience what a stereotactic biopsy is? What? Because I've heard that term as well, and you can probably explain it better than I can. So, do you mind? Well, I'm not. A, I'm not an expert, but from what I understand, um, they have. No, but a you are mammogram. a science geek, so. <laughs> <laughs> they have a mammogram where they're watching um, on uh, they're, that they're looking at to see where the needle needs the biopsy needle needs to go to the core biopsy needs to go to collect your tissue, and in in my situation and it may be different than others I was laying on a table and my breast was laying through a hole on the table and then they would um, take several rounds of a biopsy uh, several cores. Um, of the tissue and then I got to see my tissue in the petri dish before they sent it off to the lab Mm, interesting Mm. so did you have any clue at all that there was an issue or was this just a routine mammogram I mean what what happened there no clue routine mammogram this is why I really believe that it's so important that we get our mammograms on time. The results yeah. came back to me um, the, a couple days later. My OBGYN had called me, and she had said that it was ductal carcinoma in situ, or also known as DCIS, okay. and that the treatment for this is mastectomy. I wow. immediately, my, I was alone. I was shocked to begin with, that it was a cancer, I immediately hung up the phone and I called Breast Friends. And yes, you did. I think you were traveling, Becky, but Sharon was there and she was available to speak to me right away and she just walked me back off the ledge. <laughs> Sharon is very good at that. Yes, indeed, yeah, I do that. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Laura, I, I know you're probably still with us, I hope. So she's been hounding you to stay up on your mammograms. Are you doing that? I'm putting you on the spot right now. I absolutely am. And, um, you know, she's, she always follows up with me and asks me questions and makes sure that I am using the latest technology, which I'm sure she probably wants to talk about as well. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Good, good. You know, one of the things that people don't really think about, I think when they go in for their first mammogram, too many people, too many women wait until they feel a lump or they'll say, well, I don't need a mammogram. I have no family history. I don't feel any lumps. There's no problem. I'm not going in. And and that's that's where we get into trouble because if you, first off, most cancers are not hereditary. Only about, what, 10 to 20% are hereditary. Sharon, yeah. do you know what that number is for yeah. sure? Closer it's to a, 10, yeah. About 10. And then if you wait until you have a lump, that's really a long time because by the time you can feel it, it's it can be very advanced. It can be in your lymph nodes. And so one of the reasons that they really stress getting that first what they call baseline mammogram is because they want to see what your breasts look like when they're healthy. No issues whatsoever. And then when you go in every year after that, they compare the new one to the old one. And they look for subtle changes. And it's those subtle changes that can detect that or determine that there may be some cancer developing. And that's why they do those needle biopsies just to see if those cells in that area are, um, are do have some form of cancer in them. So we do encourage, please get that baseline mammogram. And Christina, I know you're a real advocate for that. So do you have anything you want to add to that conversation? Well, my cancer was not palatable. It, you would not have been able to fill it. So that's another reason to make sure you get your mammograms. Not, not all cancers show up where you can actually fill a lump or a bump. 
So really important to get your mammograms, make sure you're on time, make sure you're getting them every year, and don't let it get by you. Um, yeah. I, I, I was... My, I used. I went to the 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 mammogram I had done was the tomosynthesis, so it was the 3D, and I think most places um, have that technology today, and that seems to be the the new standard, so that they can kind of look at the tissue layer by layer a little bit more closely and get a better yeah. view and catch these cancers earlier, thereby yeah. hopefully preventing them from showing up in the lymph nodes and other places. Yeah. My cancer grew very quickly. I had nothing in the year prior. And then I had a 3.3 centimeter lesion, and it was grade three histology, meaning it was the ugliest disorganized cancer cells possible. So, mm. who knows? So even though it was not- DCIS, which means ductal carcinoma in situ, which means it was in the milk ducts but hadn't expanded out beyond that yet, which is what made it early detection. But it sounds like it was really aggressive, and it was just a matter of probably a short amount of time before it did all that is what I'm hearing. That's what my medical oncologist had shared with me. And that that's possibly the could have been the scenario. So again, on time mammograms and, you know, at the time then my most pressing, it's stressful. You're stunned. It's you're, you're filled with doctor appointments you're trying to work. I felt like I just really went through the motions through the whole process and didn't really process the emotional side of it until after the fact. And yoga Mm kind of helped me with that as well. And, um, you know, I, I think the most important thing for me at that point in time was it was one thing, and that was to find the very best surgeon that I believed would do the very best job for um, getting good, clear margins for my, my DCS. We, mm-hmm. I had a consultation with a medical oncologist, a radiation oncologist, plastic surgeon, surgeon, and the medical oncologist said to me, I'm thinking it's just DCIS because that's what the biopsy said. But mm-hmm. what we have to also keep in mind is that we are not, we do not know what we're totally dealing with until the full pathology is done, which means right. the tumor's been removed and the pathologist has been able to look at every bit of it. So the, the medical oncologist shared with me that this is the path now, which was surgery and radiation, However, that could include chemo if they found invasive cancer cells. Okay. So, Christina, Mm -hmm. we're going to go out to break, but let me just ask you one quick question. Did you have a family history of breast cancer? Okay. So, I kind of, I didn't think so, but I just wanted to clarify that. So, we are going to go out to break. So, stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. 
From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a car that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest today, Christina Frank. And Sharon, you came up with a really good question for Laura um, as we were in the break. So um, before we we get into another question, I want to ask Christina, why don't you go ahead and ask Laura that question about support? Well, Laura, I'd love to. Because as a good friend um, of someone who is just diagnosed, um, I know that can be a very frightening time for you know, the support system as well. So I just kind of wanted to hear how Laura felt about going through this journey with with Christina. Yeah, I, I would love to speak to that. I, I think it's something that, um, you know, as somebody that's, you know, so close to a friend, an individual, it's tough. You know, I, I, I felt so helpless that I'm sure most people do. And, you know, you think you know how you would respond to something like that, but it's it's scary. And, you know, um, you think, what do I do? How can I help? And I, I live in California, and Christina lives in Portland, Oregon. And so it's, um, you know, I felt just so helpless being far away. And, and I tried my best. I don't know how I did. But, um, you know, I really felt like what I could do is just be there for her and just talk to her and just listen. And, you know, I tried really hard not to try to offer solutions and those types of things, but just really be an ear and, you know, make sure that I was checking in with her and how are you feeling and is there anything I can do? And, you know, I, I, I can't remember everything, you know, during that time, but I just remember being very scared for her. And, um, you know, if you... Uh, are a person that does this. I, I prayed for her every day and, um, you know, just really tried to be an ear. And um, I was very fortunate to be able to take a trip with her shortly after her surgery, and that just talks to what a trooper she is. Um, but, you know, during that time, just really tried to be understanding and patient and, and uh, you know, after surgery, is there anything I can do? Can I help carry this? And most of the time, I just took her bags from her and, and did it. Um, so, awesome. uh, you know. I, That's wonderful. It's it's tough though. You know, you don't know how you're doing, and um, but I think the most important thing is just just to be there. So yep, that's you know, absolutely that's, true. That's, and I yeah. know sometimes we have to put our own fears, our own concerns, because I know it kind of brings up some, you know, your own mortality issues sometimes. Um, 
for people who are, are either caregivers or the friends or family of someone who's going through something like that. And you just kind of have, have to put your own emotions kind of on the back burner and, and really be there for that person um, during that tough time. So good for you, Laura. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, and it is yeah. so hard, especially from a distance like that. But, but you said something or you asked a question. You weren't sure how you did. Um, so, Christina, how did she do? She did fantastic. <laughs> she was always I in knew touch you'd say with that. <laughs> me, whether it was a phone call or text or sending me something funny or a card in the mail. And um, I don't think that I could have. The trip we took that she mentioned was to Ireland. So I was about oh, wow. three, weeks, That's a big three, weeks, three weeks post-surgery and was mm-hmm. still really in the healing. And we were just talking about this and how different I was on this trip versus another one we just took recently. And mm-hmm. it was just night and day. And she was there. She was taking care of me. She was very understanding. We had fun. But at the same time, she could tell when I was in pain and she would offer me a pain pill. And she just took just excellent care of me. I, don't, I couldn't have done the trip without her. You know, and that, that brings up a good point. I mean, I know you guys took a big trip together, but it's not even the big things that that show support. I mean, it's just sometimes it's the littlest it's the littlest things that it's just staying in touch because one of the hardest parts about for me anyway, going through breast cancer was that alone time. You know, there's so many so many difficult things that come up and we our brains kind of play games with us. So, you know, having somebody like Laura who would call you and just check in with you or text you, it's just good to know that that somebody knows. You know, and so we really try to stress to people too when you're going through something like this, share it. You know, share it with your friends. Not everyone is going to be able to step into that role because some people are so afraid they don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And so they kind of stay away. But it's not because they don't love you, they just don't know how to help. But when the ones who do know how to help, like Laura, we need to take advantage of that and that relationship and just really embrace it. So, so I want to go to another question because this is kind of was an interesting thought for me was you started out on the other side of the coin, you know, selling chemo drugs and that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden you find yourself as a patient. What was that transition like for you? Well, actually it's been a really positive transition. Okay. Before I had my cancer, I was talking to doctors from the perspective of this is what the data shows, this is what mm-hmm. you know our, our, your options are available to your patient, this is the, the best uh, patient type that would fit this medication, where now I look at it from a different perspective. I, yeah. I understand what it feels like to have that pit in your stomach and your heart in your stomach when you get that news. And mm-hmm. I understand what it's like to go get a mammogram every year. It's not the same anymore. It's, you, there's that anxiety that's there. I, no matter how much you try to put it away, there's anxiety there. And, and I think that that's where yoga has helped me to embracing the philosophy of uh, putting things in perspective, staying positive, thinking positive, mm-hmm. and just controlling what you can control and letting what you can't control go. And so I think from the perspective of talking with doctors now, I come from a different place because I truly understand how it feels to be in these shoes. Yeah, I bet you do. 
Yeah. All the different appointments patients have to go to and all the different, it's very chaotic and there's a lot of information being thrown at, um, at you and your family and, and it's hard, even knowing as much as I knew, I was flooded in the doctor's appointments. My husband attended with me. He listened and heard things that I didn't hear. Yeah. And that's right. real common, isn't it? Yeah, in fact, we tell people when you go to those doctor appointments, take a friend, and if for whatever reason you can't, take your smartphone and put on your voice recorder because you probably won't hear most of what's being said, and you certainly won't remember it if you did. So, um, so yeah, those are good points. So, Christina, how did you get into yoga? I know, I know you are so sold on that as a <laughs> something that helps you through your journey. So, why don't you talk about how you got into it and how it's helping you, you know, cope with all of this. Well, as much as I hound Laura about getting her mammograms on time, she was hounding me about yoga. You should consider yoga. You should think about yoga. She has been into yoga for 10 years. She's a a teacher, and um, she took me on a retreat in January 2016, and we learned a lot of different things about yoga. And from that point on, it kind of got me interested. I'm thinking, I can't. I'm The whole time I'm thinking, and when she's talking about yoga, I'm thinking and seeing pictures of pretzel moves, thinking, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, I couldn't either. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yoga is not a workout. I got to go run and pound the pavement. And, you know, really, that's that's a workout. And so she got, she exposed me to yoga. And then it was about, uh, it was June of 16. I actually signed up and took a, what they call a level one yoga class through the organization that I'm, I'm working on my 200-hour registered yoga teacher through. And it's two days of learning. I think it's, they broke down like 90 different poses. And Laura supported me by coming and going to the class, even though she didn't need to. She already had her certification registration. She didn't need to be there. So she attended the full two days with me. And then um, at the end of that Sunday, we hopped on a plane. We went to Boise because uh, we were going to try a yoga studio out in Boise together after I had gone through my class. And Laura was on a mission to do yoga in all 50 states. Wow, cool, cool. So that kind of started you on your path to mm-hmm. get, because you're, you're working on your certification now too, are you not? I'm working on my registered yoga teacher 200 hour, and that was the start of it. And okay. I was, I'm doing it more for myself. So yoga to me brings me the physical aspects. I was put on tamoxifen because I am ERPR positive. Um, so tamoxifen will help to block the estrogen receptors, which can communicate intercellularly and cause the cells to grow. And I was not taking care of myself. I was overweight. And I didn't want to beat myself up thinking that I'm going to put more weight on with tamoxifen or I'm not going to be able to lose weight with tamoxifen. So I followed my diet, which was basically just cutting back portions. I didn't take anything out of my diet. And I did yoga about three days a week. And I lost about 30 pounds doing that. Wow, good for you. You did. And you kept it off nicely. Yeah, you look great. You look like a million bucks. So so you're still working with yoga. And tell us about what your lovely husband did in your attic. Because <laughs> when you told me that, I just thought, oh, that's cool. So tell us about that. Well, you know, yoga also brings a nice, um, it helps, to me, it, it's, it's kind of soulful and helps me to put things in perspective. And throughout my, my journey, I took a long look at, 
where I was spending my time, what I was doing with my time, what were my priorities. And with yoga, it kind of slows down your mind, lets you take the time to think about things, maybe meditate a little bit, just find some quietness in your mind to process these things. So um, so that's been really helpful. But my husband created a yoga studio out of our attic. It's absolutely beautiful. And now I have this quiet space to go to, to either flow through a class and get a workout and create the sweat, a sweaty workout, or I can just go up there and kind of meditate. That's so wonderful. So, okay, so now you can do yoga whenever you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also got into nutrition because I know you were teaching some cooking classes and things. So speak to us about that a little bit. Well, I'm a dietitian, and I kind of put that on the back burner when I moved into pharmaceutical sales, but I always keep up with my nutrition education. And I was invited to support a survivorship group with some nutrition classes and uh, teach teach the principles around better eating habits, things to, um, to consider, how to prepare things, um, portion sizing, all of that. And it was just such an honor to be able to do that and share that with other survivors, being a survivor myself. And it helped me to just take what I already knew and apply it into my own life. And you know, I felt like if I was going to be walking, you know, talking the talk, I needed to walk that talk as well. And it was probably the best thing ever for me to kind of get back to that again. Mm-hmm. And I find it very exciting to talk about nutrition and with, with people. Well, you do a good job of it. I went to lunch with you one day, Sharon, and I both did. And I found myself not wanting to order that cheeseburger and fries. And instead, I ordered a little salad with some grapefruit on it. <laughs> I did that for you. I just want you to know. <laughs> well, I think that it's important that you, I, 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 I don't think you need to remove things out of your diet. A diet is, a, is not a long-term. It's not long-term. It's just a diet at a point in time. If you remove all these things out of your diet, it's not realistic. So I think the way to learn to lose weight or to maintain weight is to look at what you're doing currently and cut back on portion sizes, maybe change some of the things, um, but really cutting back on the portion sizes, uh, smaller portions. When you go out to a restaurant, maybe you do share a meal or do a half of a portion, um, mindful eating, so sitting down, uh, even if you're at home and thinking about what you're eating and, and slowing your eating down. Are you full? Are you really hungry? Are you eating and you're not hungry? All of these things are uh, mindful things to consider. That's true. And calories do count when you're standing up. <laughs> I tried to tell myself, they yes, don't they count do. as long as you're standing, right? <laughs> My little magic wand doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah. And when you eat the cookie dough and it's still raw, yes, that counts. So, all right. So, Christina, <laughs> you, I know that you um, learned quite a few lessons through your journey. And one of them that you mentioned to me earlier was to listen to your body. What do you mean by that? Well, so often we push through, we might be tired, but we push through and we keep doing and doing and doing and doing for others more than likely. And I think it's so important. Um, and I had to, I had to learn how to do this when I was, um, going through my treatment and, and I still keep it today. I'm not losing that. It was probably one of the best lessons learned to listen to your body. If you're tired, go take a nap. It, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just go rest, and then you're revived. Um, just really listen to what your body's telling you and 
act upon what you're hearing. Yeah, that's tune. really, that's good advice. Because I, I know like, when, you know, when you get sick and you try to push through and you go to the office, well, not only do you make everybody else sick around you, but your body just can't recover. And then you end up getting sicker. And, you know, it's just so yeah, you need to listen, you, you know, during those times too. And just, you know, we try it, we're women, we try to be so strong and push on through, like you said. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's good advice. Sharon, do you have any comment on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the thing is, when, when we're not listening to our bodies, um, unfortunately, then we wake up one day and think our bodies ha- have betrayed us. They've been, they've been chatting with us, but we're just not listening <laughs> sometimes. And so, again, whether it's, you know, doing self-breast exams just to know what normal is, and so when you feel something that's not normal, that's yeah. one signal. Obviously, if you're fatigued, you need to rest um yoga like like uh, christina was saying that as actually because i think stress is such a hard hard thing that we all end up dealing with and if you don't manage your stress with something like yoga or relaxation techniques those kinds of things again you're not listening to what your body needs if you're hungry you need to eat if you need if you're tired you need to rest and um, again, if you're stressed, you need to do something that's going to calm your calm your spirit. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely, all those things are very important. That's great. Well, Christina, we have about two minutes until the next break. So just real quick, tell us what you mean by put yourself first. Well, we're Seems always counterintuitive to what we're taught. <laughs> so, and we're I know you have a good doing- way to look at this. We're always doing things for others, and um, most of us seem to have this long list of things that we have to get through or we've got to do, and let's say you are ill or you're just not feeling, you're feeling tired, listening to your body and saying, this is what I need, this is what I need right now at this point in time, and these other things, are any of them critical? Reevaluate whether or not they have to be done immediately or if there's something that you can um, maybe get help with from a friend or a family member mm-hmm. or can you put them off to another day? Yeah, that's If they're good. absolutely critical and you really are tired or you're not well, then maybe you can find someone to help you if you're not at that point in time able to do that. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we share often with our listeners, and we have a program down at the prison and, you know, here in Oregon, and we talk, we're teaching a self-esteem class. And one of the things that we talk about often, and it's what happens on an airplane, you know, the flight attendants always give those instructions that if we lose oxygen and the masks drop down, what do they tell you to do? You know, put it on yourself first, because if you put it on yourself first and everyone else is also at least attempting to put it on themselves first, then then you're in a better position to help those who can't. You can't give what you don't have. So if you're constantly putting other people first and you don't take time back to give yourself that energy boost that you need or that relaxation or removing stress, then how can you just keep doing, you can't keep doing that. At some point you will crash, you know, you go to the bottom of that murky pond that you're talking about earlier. So, Mm -hmm. so that's, I think that's really, um, really good advice. Cause you know, we always hear, well, don't be so selfish. You know, you need to put everybody ahead of, ahead of you. No, you know, you, you can't because you just won't have anything left. So I totally agree with that. Well, we are actually going to go out to another break. So um, stay tuned with us, and we'll be back on the other side. Thank you. 
Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking with our guest, Christina Frank. And Christina, we wanted to kind of pick up one, one more like little area of conversation around um, the nutrition and exercise. You know, because as cancer survivors, we're all taught that we need to exercise. And I know you have found, as you mentioned earlier, yoga as your thing. So can you talk a little bit more about what cancer survivors might be able to see or benefit from if they decide to try yoga? Well, it's important, I think, that everyone finds something that works for them. And for me, I just knew that pounding the pavement was not my thing. And when Laura introduced me to yoga and I realized it wasn't turning your body into a pretzel, it was a lot different than that, actually, that it was, it encompassed exercise, it encompassed you know, bringing your your mindfulness to your body and listening to your body and then the nutrition on the side of that as well. But with yoga, there's so many different types of yoga. And the yoga that I found that works best for me is called Hatha. And with Hatha, they have um, gentle classes. They have basic classes. There's another form called Vinyasa, which is means flow. And 
with vinyasa, if I want a little bit more of, a, if I want to build up a sweat and I want to burn more energy and calories, I can take in one of those classes. If I want to go a little bit easier, I can take a gentle class. Laura got me started by taking me to a restorative class, which is just using materials to support you in a pose and to be comfortable and to feel that gentle stretch, that's a great way to get exposed to yoga and then build from there into a gentle or basic hatha and then later move your way up to like a vinyasa. And none of those things mean a thing to me, (laughs) all those names. (laughs) I know I went to a yoga class with my daughter in Boston and she goes pretty regularly and this was my actual first time I ever went to a yoga class. I chose the back of the room because I didn't want anyone to see what I was doing and failing at. But, you know, they were all so far ahead of what I could do. But even in that environment, the yoga instructor was so kind and she knew I was new and she would come by and say, okay, you don't need to go that high with your leg. Just, you know, go down and because she could see I was really struggling to try to keep up and you know, the thing with yoga is to kind of go at your own pace, right? I mean, you you don't have to keep up with what everybody in the front row is doing, right, when that's you're going into a class. A, that's what I love about it. And Laura may have a comment here, but when I first started, I could not do what's called a plank pose. So imagine a push-up where you're up at the top of the push-up. That's a plank pose. I could not do that with my unless my knees were on the ground in that modified option. So as I had... I just listened to my body. I, if it didn't, if it was painful, I didn't do it. I would modify it into something else. And it's so cool because you see yourself get stronger over time and you see that you don't need to use those options. You move on into the next, next part of that pose where you, when you mm-hmm. get stronger. And doesn't it help with mm-hmm. balance too? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah, if I try to like stand there with my, on one leg, <laughs> I have to hold on to something or I'm going over. It's just that's just a fact. But what you're telling me is if I keep doing it, eventually I will be able to stand there without holding on to something. And, and well, that, I, that could, is a, I couldn't do a pose without losing my balance. I and mean, Laura saw me fall all the time when we were in a class. And I would lose my balance and fall out of the pose, but I'd just get right back up again and get right back into the pose. And you just get better over time. That's really mm-hmm. great. Practice so, makes perfect, as they say, right? <laughs> It does. It does. So what else, Christina, are you doing to personally reduce your risk of recurrence? Yeah, I mean, you're a science geek, so you're very brainy and you just, you know, you kind of come from that background. So talk to us about some of the other things. I mean, do we have to do a lot or what? Talk no, I don't think so. I reprior- I took time to reprioritize my life. I looked at what I was doing that was serving me, and I looked at what I was doing that was not serving me. Mm, and that's a big one. I reevaluated what my intentions are. Okay. And so speak that, to that. Yeah. What do you mean by reevaluating your intentions? What do you mean? Well, what, where do I want my life to be? Where do I want my time to be spent? Do I want to spend my time? I, do, do I want to spend my time in areas and things that really aren't that important in my life? Or do I want to take that time and, and move it into areas of my life where it is important? So, you know, we have a lot of acquaintances in our lives, but I chose to take less time away from acquaintances and put my time with my dear friends and family and to enjoy the activities that I enjoy with them. Um, things just were not serving me and they're not 
they're not good for my life or they're negative. They're not good for me personally um, from a health perspective and a spiritual perspective. Then mm-hmm. they were removed and other things that I enjoyed were put in the place. So I didn't need yeah. to do yoga before. This gives me the time now to do yoga because I make the time to put it in my life. And now you have a beautiful studio in your house. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't not now. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, Sharon and I can really relate to that because we both worked very stressful jobs. We were selling Yellow Page. Can you believe that, Sharon? Can you believe we actually sold Yellow Page advertising? Dinosaurs now they, know, they deliver. It's a dinosaur now, isn't it? Yeah, and the books are so tiny because the print's so itty bitty, and you know, it's like who cares anymore? They go straight into my recycle bin at this point when I get one. But, but the fact is, we worked really hard back then because it wasn't quite the dinosaur yet and it was very very stressful and after we both got our cancer diagnosis we we in different ways we kind of reprioritized things and one of the things I kind of figured out early on Christina in in my journey is I'd been working 14 to 16 hour days and it was insane um, because I was the main support for my family but at some point in time like during my during my treatment when I was home with my kids I realized I had really great kids and I really felt like I hardly knew them and it broke my heart when I realized that because you know dad their dad got to be home with them quite a bit of the time and he was the fun guy and I was the one that was gone all the time and and the kids loved him and they knew him and he's a great dad but I was afraid (laughs) after my diagnosis that they wouldn't even know me anymore you know and if something happened would they even miss me? And so my priority at that point became to be a good mom. That's all I wanted was to be remembered as a good mom. So those priorities that we change, um, sometimes it takes a life-threatening situation to to make us really realize it. And then we need to pay attention to that, whatever it is. Don't you think? Sharon, what was the biggest change you made, do you, do you think? Was there an aha moment for you when you went through your battle? Um, you know what? I don't know that there was an aha moment at that point. I think when we started Breast Friends, that really started my journey to understand a lot of those kinds of things. Because after I went back to work, um, after being off for many months with my diagnosis and treatment and all that, you know, you just get right back into the, you know, swing of things, you know, like you did before. And and so until we really, until you were probably diagnosed, that was probably the one, one big thing because here we've been friends through this whole thing. And <clears throat> you were diagnosed three years after me. And I remember I had, I had consciously um, put my cancer kind of in a box. And had had put this line in the sand because I did not have lymph node involvement. So it was like I didn't really have to deal with the death and dying part of it. That was my coping mechanism I put into place. And unfortunately, your cancer came back where you did have lymph node involvement. And Mm -hmm. I remember being probably more emotional about your cancer diagnosis than my own. And that was partially because you were outside of my box. And all of a sudden, I had to deal with the death and dying part of it, you know, that I kind of tried to not deal with. 
And so if there was anything, I would say that was probably that moment. And then getting through, you know, just kind of helping you a little bit through your diagnosis and treatment. No, you helped me a lot. And, Let me rephrase that. <laughs> and, then, and then just moving on through Breast Friends and creating yeah. that. I mean, I think that was... That was probably my moments of uh, clarity. And then, of course, when I became a certified life coach and kind of learned um, more about kind of taking over, uh, you know, prioritizing and, and really going after what you, what you want in life. I think those, yeah. those kind of moments were my biggies. Yeah. And that that's all good. That's that's great information because you know sometimes the trauma does give us a new, new perspective in that way. And one of the things that Sharon and I both kind of figured out when we started Breast Friends is there were a lot of women out there hurting, and it gave us a way to reach out and give back to them. So you know it's it's good. So Christina, how do you stay happy? And you are you seem very happy every time I see you. You got a big beautiful smile on your face. How do you stay happy? I mean, life kind of throws crap at us every now and then, pardon the expression, but it, you it seem does. to always be happy. How do you do that? Well, I think that all the things that I've done since my diagnosis, reprioritizing things in my life, looking at where I want my time and what I want to accomplish in my life, and then putting my energies behind those those intentions, um, taking care of myself with good nutrition and losing the weight and taking in my yoga and, and having the time to shut down and slow down my mind with through the yoga. Uh, it just, all of this has come to help me realize that I think so many times, unfortunately people look for happiness outside of themselves um, through things and, and, and people, but really it comes from within only you can, you control your happiness, only you. And, um, you know, taking the time to control the things that make you happy or, you know, do the things you can control and do the things that make you happy and put away the things that don't make you happy. That is right. great Knowing advice. When, when to say no and when yes. to say yes to those things yeah. that you really do want in your life. That's yeah. exactly it, Sharon. Learning that, to say no. And you know what? Work, I love my work, but work is just work. And there needs to be boundaries around work. Work will always be there. Your health, the people in your life may not always be there. So for yeah. me, it was important to learn to put boundaries around my work. You know, not bringing work into the evening or into the weekends when I don't need to. So really putting boundaries around that have been very helpful for me, and I will always keep those going forward. Yeah, and you know what's really true about that? When I went back to work after my first time, you know, when I said I was working 14 to 16 hours, yes, I did that almost every day. When I went back, I made a decision to work 8 to 10 hours because I realized that if something were to happen to me, my boss would replace me in a minute, but my kids would not ever be able to replace me. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's true. Work is work. And don't kill yourself doing it. So we are pretty much out of time. So, Christina, I want to thank you so much for giving up your time. Laura, thank you so much for calling in. Um, you two you. sound like wonderful friends, and we're just so happy to have had you on our show with us today. So uh, before we close, I do want to let our listeners know that we're open to ideas. If you have a topic you'd like to hear about, drop me a, a note at Becky at breastfriends.com and let us know what you'd like to hear about. We do want to thank our listeners across the pond. We have quite a few listeners over in the UK, and we're very excited about that. Um, Also, we have a great, great website, and 
Um, it's breastfriends.org. There are a lot of tabs at the top, one for patients and one for friends and family. Gives you some really good information and ideas on how to get support through the journey, things like questions to ask your doctor, that sort of thing. Also at the top of that page, and I put this on every show, (laughs) is go to the top. There's a big blue button. If you like our show and you'd like to see it continue, go to that big blue button that says donation and make a donation to Breast Friends because your support helps us keep our programs going. We don't charge for our services, and we just would really love to have your support so we can keep this thing going. So um, with that said, we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.